Sandoz. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Well, if you're not excited this Monday morning about the ETSU victory, I think something's wrong with you. You're clearly tuning in as a non-Buck fan. But ETSU down by 21, the largest comeback since ETSU has, uh, as I like to say, rebirthed football. And uh, the previous was 18 points. That was also, I'm going to say at home in quotation marks because it was actually Bristol Motor Speedway versus Western Carolina. But a huge come-from-behind win. Backup quarterback who was the previous three-year starter, Austin Herrick, comes in. I think we all know that story about uh, where he was. He, he waited his time, got an opportunity. All of a sudden, a touchdown drive, then uh, then a punt, two touchdown consecutive drives after that. And ETSU gets a gift, honestly, on special teams. Dylan Weigel, another fifth-year guy. He makes the play and uh, safety, and Bucks win 29-27. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, Sandos and the sidekick. We got Matt Wilgham today. We got David Jackson today. How do we do on bold predictions? But right now we're talking ETSU and Furman. And I did talk to Dan Scott, the play-by-play guy, Furman. There was also an assistant coach. I don't know which one it was, to be honest with you, with the Paladins who happened to be in his booth. And, and I didn't even bring it up. I was just trying to be, hey, hey, good to see you, Dan. Get out of me because the, yeah. the Bucks at that point kind of stole it. Uh, maybe not with it coming back tying it, but certainly the safety was a gift. On that, and basically, uh, you know, well, the the field position was the gift. I mean, great play for I did Bill Michael in the sure. end zone, but the field position. The the big key was that's a freshman in mm. Dewan Bell, mm-hmm. and they had told him, no matter what, we want you to fair catch it. Let's get it twenty five. Let's let, let's get our let's make sure we get good field position. Yeah. And he just had a moment where he didn't think about fair catching. He caught it, just took a knee, and. Uh, didn't realize they got the sideline what had happened. It reminds me of, and I can't remember the quarterback it was, but it was right before halftime in an NFL game two or three years ago. And I, I think it might have been Kirk Cousins, quite honestly. Bad weekend for the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. But uh, going back to that, I believe it was right before halftime. They were on like the two-yard line clock running, and they were going to try and spike it to end the half or to get, you know, two seconds, three seconds left, go on, come on, kick a field goal or run one more play, try and get into the end zone. And he took a knee. And everyone was looking around like, wait, wait, what is he doing? You know, broadcasters are shocked. Everyone in the stands is just like, wait a second. Is there a rule change or or what exactly is going on? And so he takes a knee and ends up running the clock out, and they don't get any points. And, of course, that was less of a high-tension situation than what was going on here um, at William B. Green Jr. Stadium where we are doing the podcast today. But it was just shock. And when you called that, you were kind of shocked as well. And us back in the studio, we were like, whoa, whoa, I mean, this is a game-changer because we're talking 25-yard well, line to 3-yard and ended up setting up the game-winning score. And, and the truth is because 
as a broadcaster, you know, Will Jim does a better job. We'll talk to him a little bit later. My color analyst on the broadcast. He does a better job of watching everything else. I'm watching pure ball. You have to. So they kick, they go. And so when he took a knee, I thought, well, maybe he called for the fair catch. And then just everybody's running at him. He wasn't sure. He just took a knee so nobody hits him, right? Because, right. you know, maybe he just didn't want to get blasted just in case uh, somebody running down the field didn't see it. And then he blew the whistle, and all of a sudden, smart marking it at the three. And then it, it dawned on me at that point. Well, heck, I don't, I don't think he called a, uh, the fair catch, and so that certainly changed the complexion. The only other time I've seen something, and it's not the exact same thing, but I watched uh, several years ago, uh, and it was actually an FCS game that, that was on national television, and there was a kickoff, and the guy called it at the one, and thought he was in the end zone, and and just kind of took a knee. But when he took a knee, it put him in the end zone, so it opened the game with a safety. Wow, and and then so is the opening kickoff random safety, which I don't know what the percentages of that is ever happening. It's not the only happened, time, yeah. right? So that's like the the only time I've ever seen. The, and I'll bring this up: there was an Atlanta Falcons game uh, when they were still playing outdoors at Fulton County Stadium at the opening kickoff, uh, and I have no idea uh, what what the kick returner was, was doing, but. He just let the ball bounce around at the two, and, and I guess he thought it was just like a punt, so he got away from it. And the kickoff team just runs down there and dives on the ball, and it was first and goal to two. So there's certainly strange things that have happened at different levels of that. The only thing you can say for Bell, this is a new rule, but still, right, you got you have to know there's a difference between a fair catch and a knee. And I know it's a new rule. Well, but. and so I just looked it up, and it was Kirk Cousins right before the half, December 26, 2015. So – I feel bad for the young man. Now it ends up benefiting the Bucks. So, you know, at the end of the day, everything worked out on our side of things. But point being, it happens at every level. It can happen to anyone. And it is literally just one of those body doesn't do what the mind is telling it to. And, and it's inexplicable. Uh, it's absolutely impossible to come up with any rational reason that it happens. But obviously that set up an incredible play by Dylan Weigland. For, for me watching the game um, and listening to the game and, and being able to be around such an incredible comeback, you know, uh, couldn't have happened to two harder workers, two more deserving people than Austin Herrick and Dylan Weigel, the two that were mainly involved in that entire uh, process of the comeback. You know, Austin comes in with, what, about 20 minutes to go, and uh, you get the uh, the unanswered, 23 unanswered points, win 29-27, and Weigel has the decisive defensive play. Um, you've been around this program longer than I have, but to have Herrick be able to get that moment for himself and for this program with everything he's put in and for Weigel, a couple guys that have been with it since the beginning, I mean, very fitting and definitely a game that we'll hear from Austin Herrick in a moment, but definitely a game that I think is a landmark victory for ETSU if for no other reason than obviously it's Furman, but also the fact that you have the massive comeback and it could signify perhaps that turning of the corner. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that, but three and one, two and zero oh in the SoCon. I mean, right now things look as good as they possibly could, really. Yeah, I, it's unbelievable. When you start the, the the season, we we discussed it a lot as we came on the first week before the games were, were were getting cranked up, and we thought, you know, if the Bucks could go four and two, five and one, yeah, you know, there's a possibility. You know, you're sitting there talking. You know, you've got Austin Herrick probably starts, and uh, you know if things go awry. Maybe Logan Marshy comes in. That kind of got flipped as Logan Marshy ended up getting the job. It was there. ETSU hasn't been two and zero oh since. Uh, you know, football has been back. They got a chance to play their arch rival to get the three and zero. That's been a surprise. I mean, there's a lot of things to 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 kind of wrap your head around the the, the start of this season. You know, the fact that they finally won a road game. You know, the fact they got to play Tennessee. I mean, there's just a lot yeah. to go into it. But you look at the guys that have been here the most. The the, the 
the fifth year guys. Yep. The guys that were here practicing on the and didn't even play a game the first year. They had like a glorified scrimmage and that was it. And uh, and then you play the first year. You're not even playing your own stadium. You play second year. It's first year of the league. You're still not in your own stadium. And I mean, you're just taking gut punches everywhere. And to have the resiliency down 21 to a team that's had your number, mm-hmm. to a team that has, let's be honest, it throttled ETSU in the first two meetings. 50-plus each game. Yeah, 52 and 56, yeah. And, and I mean, to to have that and then and then to have everything kind of just, just struggle and teeter-totter and all of a sudden a third down pass play, and we'll hear the comment from Austin Herrick yep. in a second, a third down pass play deep in their territory that Austin admits that him and Keith Coffey had ran in the stadium a lot with the lights, out. The lights yeah. out. Nobody's here. Yep. They've just kind of worked on it. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, that's 53 yards down the field and the whole complexion of the game changes. It was clutch play after clutch play after clutch play from Herrick in really any situation, first down, second down, third down, fourth down. It didn't matter. And he was still trying to wrap his head around everything that happened after the game as well. How did it feel to finally get back out in the field in a game situation and make something happen? You know, it felt it felt really good. And, you know, I, the tough part is, you know, continuing to work, continue to put the effort in, you know, when, when you don't have any, you know, reward at the end of the week with the game and playing time. And so I, I struggled with that for a little bit. And, you know, talking with Coach Sanders and, you know, him giving me some guidance and, and learning my role um, was big. I don't think that um, if he didn't talk to me and get me straightened out in terms of how I need to prepare, I don't think I would be able to do what I did tonight. So, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate Coach Sanders and his leadership for that. You guys were down three touchdowns when you came in. Did you say anything special to the guys when you stepped into the huddle, or did you just call the play and go? No, I, I just called the play and go. Now, towards the end of the game, everybody's getting fired up, and I was like, hey, calm down. You know, We've been here before. We can get fired up after the game, but right now we got to focus on our job and execute. So, you know, I, I didn't really say anything. I just felt like if we went out there and executed and did what we were supposed to do, then good things would happen. Uh, the, the screen pass, the wide receiver screen that busted big on uh, that led to the first touchdown, that seemed to ignite the offense. Talk about that play a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was, I was telling someone, I can remember uh, me and Keith working on that pass in this same stadium with the lights completely off and no one here. And, you know, um, completing that pass under the lights, you know, in that situation was really special because uh, I can't tell you how many balls me and, me and Keith have thrown together. And, uh, you know, getting that spark, getting the offense going, I think helped you know, get our momentum back in the game. Of course, then on the, the second touchdown drive, you throw the long pass on the first play down the field to get you down to their 20-yard line. That was a special play, too. Yeah, you know, coach told me to be smart, and I was thinking, well, he looks pretty open, so let's throw it. So um, I, I just tried to tried to make the play. Spags made a great catch. He's a great receiver. He's been putting in a lot of work, too, so I was excited he could get back on track with that play. And um, I, I think that further helped us get back into the game and really believe that we could we could go win. You guys have got a running game this year that you haven't had in the past. The offensive line is much improved. Talk about how much that helps as far as going out and, and having confidence and going back and looking for people. Definitely. You know, I, we are in a whole new scheme, so our offense is completely different. And so it asks people to do different things. And so with that, um, I, I think that, that lends itself to having a better running game, you know, getting maybe some better pass protection because of, you know, the scheme that we have. And so with that, uh, it, it makes the quarterback's job a little bit easier. Obviously, it's a tough position to play. Guys got to get open. Everyone else has to execute, and then you have to do your job. Um, but I certainly think that this scheme is a little different, and it, um, it, it really helps us go out there and execute and you know make us maybe more of a balanced offense. You've been a part of three big uh, comeback victories up at Bristol Motor Speedway against Western Carolina. Here at Merce, against Mercer last year in overtime, you end up winning that after coming behind. 
then down uh, 21 points tonight. Is this the most special one? You know, I hate to hate to pick one, you know, because I've got buddies on those teams that are some of my best friends from life. But um, yeah, this is definitely the most special, just considering the circumstances and you know how tough this has been for me personally the past month. And having my roommates there, my family there, and you know my coaches there to support me um, has been great. And you know to get this win, um, I'll never forget this one. Don, ask him about the relationship with the fans. Oh, I, Jay wanted me to ask you about the relationship with the fans. You got a, quite an ovation when you came out onto the field tonight. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I, I that that felt great. You know, I I know we haven't won as much as we may have liked, and you know it, it's been tough bringing this program back. I'm not gonna lie, but. I just hope everyone knows that regardless of, you know, if I've been, you know, as good as they wanted me to be or not, um, I've given everything I can to this program. I'll continue to give that until I, until I leave here. But, um, you know, I, I've given everything I have. And, you know, if that's enough, great. If not, then I just hope they know that. We got to go, but frank, honest candor mixed with doling out praise to everyone but himself. I mean, that's a seminar on how to be classy and show respect and deal with the situation, if I've ever heard one. And I think everybody knows. Yes. But yeah, said, no question. If there's, if there's any doubt, I think the fans know what uh, time, commitment, everything that, that he's done for ETSU Athletics, and certainly a moment. And it's one of those things. We'll talk to Matt Wilgen about it. He was a quarterback. He's got a moment to remember himself and maybe ask him how uh, he feels about that as far as – uh, you know, his moment beating the number one team in the country in Georgia Southern, you know, it's not exactly the same, but it's something that you can't take away, right? No matter what happened in his career, everyone's always going to talk about you knocked off the, the two-time defending national champions, the number one team in the nation. For Austin Herrick, no matter what happens the rest of this year, people are going to talk about the epic comeback for him. So we'll talk with Matt Williams, not just about that, but the game in general, what it means for the Bucks. You're listening to Santos and the Sidekick on SoundCloud on iTunes. Don't forget to download and subscribe to us Tuesday through Friday. We're also on Facebook Live. Matt Williams on the other side of this timeout on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Get ready to get your game on with the Tennessee Lottery and fill up your day with fun. Like when you need to upgrade the fun on that road trip. When you could use a little did I just win $50 fun. Woo, yeah! Or when you like to add a side of fun to that next snack. Mm, wow, it's good. Would you like some fun with that? Oh, well, yeah. Then play the Tennessee Lottery. And for just a dollar or two, you can get your game on. Please remember, play responsibly. Citizens Bank and our growing lending team are excited to support the game broadcasts of the ETSU Buccaneers. We are proud to provide a lineup of options that fit the needs of local businesses, whether it's an expansion loan, remote deposit service, SBA loan, or treasury management services. We can help your business grow. Visit our website or your local Citizens branch to speak with a qualified lender to learn more. From everyone at Citizens Bank, go Bucks! Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! 
I feel like day after day it's all the same. I know there's more out there. I, I just can't reach out and grab it. <laughs> Does that sound crazy? Um, no, but I'm a butcher. Perhaps a nice seafood dinner would help? Oh, gosh, that sounds great. Excellent. I'll steam some shrimp for you. Really? No one's ever said that before. At Food City, our butchers can't solve your existential crisis, but they can offer a ton of other great services you won't find at most other grocery stores. Butchers make it better. Only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Monday to you, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, Sandos and the sidekick. We're so fired up about the game Saturday. I've not left yet. I'm still sitting in the booth where I called <laughs> the win against the Furman Paladin. Sitting to my left is Mike Gallagher, not Matt Wilgen, but I got good news for you. Mike, he's on the phone. Matt, thanks for taking the time, and how about that win Saturday? Boys, that was an awesome win, and I was I went for a run Sunday afternoon, and I was running, and the whole time I was thinking, what did we see last night? What exactly did we see last night? Because, you know, just on a lot of fronts, it was just a great team win. You know, we, we'll, I'm sure, you know, we've talked about Austin here, but, but the way that the defense have played, the defense played coming off of giving up 1,100 yards to Furman the last two years, the way that special teams played, and we can, we can talk about Marion Watson and the game that he had in the game of field position. But then you talk about J.J. German. Not only is he breaking the record, right, but when coach goes for two on that PAT attempt and, you know, we, we, we take him off the field, we go for two, we get, you know, get the penalty, back us up. Now you've got, now you've got J.J. German having, having to make a win or a kick, not just for uh, the tie or not for the win, but go for the tie and be able to, to deliver then. There's a lot of pressure on that young man at that moment. We could be talking about a completely different scenario unless J.J. makes that kick. You're talking about a ball that was also it was a 28-yard extra point, but it was from the far left hash mark for a left-footed kicker, and he's got to you know try to hook the ball. I've always been told that for kickers it's easier to kind of push it. I guess I should know that from my slice in golf, but uh, it, it's certainly a, a pressure kick. And the other thing was Marion Watson, you talk about the game punting, that that was a bad snap. It was kind of high and in, and Watson was able to get that down and get the, the extra point. And I'll say this. The most amazing thing is uh, I think people discount the defense, too, in, in this regard. So not only did they, they tighten it up, and I think, uh, I think this is right, Furman only had 19 yards after 
uh, they went up 27-6. I think they had 19 total yards, period, from that point in time, rest of the game. It's only defense tightened their belt, and they make the game-saving play uh, in the end zone with Dylan Wagle for the safety. But people still forget, I mean, Furman was inside ETSU territory, you know, with the last drive of the game to try to get a chance for a field goal to win it, and the defense bowed its neck to s- secure the victory. It, it, I, you're right, and I think that is the message that Coach Sanders talked about to the guys in the locker room to say, hey, this isn't a one-guy deal. This was a three-phase win, and, and the parity that we're seeing in the Southern Conference this year, I think that's going to be key for us. I think the ability to stand up when the game is on the line in all three phases of the game, that's how you win championships. Matt, what did it look like to you the difference was between those first couple of drives for Furman and then the rest of the game in terms of the second half? Just talk about the second half after that lightning delay because I'm sitting in the studio just cursing lightning delays. Of course, after the 45 minutes, we had to wait to see the teams because you get one to Tennessee. We played really well against uh, Tennessee those first you know, 18 minutes and then the lightning delay and things kind of unravel. And that's what I felt like was happening against Furman on Saturday night as well. It's a tight game. Then you have lightning delay and it's not going our way again. It's 27 to 6. And then, as you mentioned, and as Jay mentioned as it was apparent to everyone else that was left in the stadium it was not just Austin Herrick it was not just that offense the defense really did step up what do you credit that to what looked like the difference between early on in that second half and the rest of the game when a football team is playing or when a defense is playing an option style football team it all comes down to this assignment football are you fitting in your spots are you getting off of blocks and making tackles are the safeties, and I'm a huge proponent of this, are the safeties filling the alleys, right? Are the safeties filling the alleys and coming up on run support and being aggressive there at the same time, not getting duped in and getting the ball thrown over your head, right? And we saw a little bit of that, right? We saw we saw some very good play out of Artavius and the guys and, and Tyree at the safety position, but we saw a couple of balls when we were not in the right position, the ball getting thrown over our head. So it was getting settled down and playing assignment football. And then after that, frankly, it's just being physical. When you're playing an option team, it's just being physical. And I really felt like the way that when the game was on the line, our front seven just stood in there like champs. And, and you know, they really, in my mind, uh, asserted themselves as we are going to win with defense. ETSU is going to win with defense. Tremont, excuse me, Matt, Tremont Farrell, 12 tackles for a nose guard. We're uh, saying this as I had kicked off with Matt Wilgham about the win Saturday against Furman. But Farrell had 12 tackles, and there were several times that he was all over the place, whether it was going laterally or twice he was 20 yards down the field assisting on a tackle. So if you remember, they have a new center. When we talked to the Furman folks and said, what's different this year over last, they said we, we had a a strong team leader at center. We got a new guy this year still finding his way. And Traymon, you know, lining up right against him really took advantage of that. Any defensive tackle guy uh, will tell you, hey, it's easy to make tackles on the offensive side of the ball or there at the point of attack. You don't see many guys running down field making tackles from those big boys. And so really that extra bit of effort I think speaks to the leadership that he has brought in. And, you know, we've got fourth and fifth year guys now that in this game stood up and made plays, right? You got Dylan Weigel making the safety. You got Traymon Farrell coming up with 12 tackles, which is a, you know, career high for him. Um, you've got, you know, Austin Herrick, the, the quarterback coming in as a fifth year guy here, leading the team to victory. So I think we saw the value of 
what does a program look like when it has fourth and fifth year guys in the system? Matt, can you draw on your experience to tell us what that feeling was like for Austin Heron coming off the bench, bringing the team back, and getting what I really think will be in his mind and the fans' minds the signature moment of his career? You know, I, 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 I like your analysis there. And, and here, you don't feel like you can throw the ball in the ocean. You know what I mean? It's if you can't tie your shoe, nothing goes right. Then you face the chance of being sat down. Right, and you've got to uh, overcome that, not physically, but mentally. And what does that look like? And the way, it's no surprise to anybody, the way that Austin handled that demotion with class, the way that he put team first, you know, that's that's the type of that's the type of things that you want out of out of that senior leadership. But ultimately, everybody loves loves the story of redemption, and that's what Austin did. He he really redeemed him himself to to come in here and. And, and, and lead this team back to victory, um, being down 21 points, just is fantastic. And, and I, you know, I've got comeback stories in, 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 um, in my playing time, and, you know, those are the games that you remember. You know, when we came back and beat Citadel on a two-minute drive and, we, you know, beating Georgia Southern, I actually got I, – I wasn't doing anything in the first half and got benched for a couple of series and then went back in. And that makes it even sweeter, right? That makes that story even sweeter is that to say – Hey, some of the breaks are going against you. You get benched, but then when you got a chance to go back in and redeem yourself, those are the lifelong memories that you take with you, and those are the memories that fans remember, right? That's why we go to the games and we stay at the stadium till 12 o'clock on a Saturday night to see things like that. So I'm really proud of Austin. I'm proud of not only the fact that he was able to, to lead this team for a comeback victory, but, but frankly, the way that he handled himself with class. And it's a, it's a trite saying sometimes, but this is true. You know, adversity doesn't build character as much as it reveals it. And I think without a doubt, uh, the character of Austin Herring was on display Saturday night. Can you talk about that a little more in terms of that postgame interview? You were up here in the booth with Jay, and I was sitting back in the studio recording it just – in awe of, of the man just dealing with everything how he did and really, like you said, revealing not only his character but also revealing some things that many didn't know uh, outside of the program that it was, and maybe even outside of his very close circle, that it was very difficult for him to handle that uh, quote-unquote demotion and not winning the quarterback battle and not being out there for the first day against Mars Hill this year. And I think we can all guess, right, but you could hear it in his voice that it really did damage him a bit, but his circle picked him up and made sure to reinforce him and keep him ready, and he, of course, being a high-character guy, uh, that interview to me was just, it blew me away. Yeah, it really was, and I saw uh, our, our program put out a tweet that, that ended with, uh, you know, four minutes of pure class, and it was the, it was the post-game interview. So if you, if you haven't heard it yet, guys, go out and uh, find that tweet, and it's, it's on SoundCloud, and it's just a great, it's a great interview. And, yeah, he, he lets you know what was going on behind the curtain a little bit and, and to know that, you know, football players aren't just robots, right, particularly at, at cere- more, more cerebral positions like quarterback that, hey, there's a lot going on there. And, and you know, I love the story that he shared of, of the, the screen pass, right, to coffee. And he said, hey, we, we were out here this summer working on this when the lights are off and there was nobody in the stands. And to be able to come through on that exact play, to deliver that, to, to start this comeback, 
you know, it, what he was what he was saying, what he was saying without actually saying it is, hey, I've worked my tail off to be in this situation, right? I, this didn't just happen. I worked my tail off to get here, and to have that demotion happen and what that does to you psychologically, only to come back, like I said, and, and redeem himself is is, uh, you know, listen. One of these days, Austin's playing days are, you know, it's going to be over. And then he's got to go on and be a man and raise a family and, and be a high-character individual. And he'll look back at times like this and go, hey, that was, that was one of those times. That was one of those times. And that I, I, as a man, I can stand up and say, hey, when the brakes were against me, I went out and I delivered. And that uh, just I couldn't be more proud of the guy and, and um, you know, the message that sends to the rest of the team. Well, I know uh, I talked to Mark Hutzel after the game as well, another former ETSU quarterback like yourselves, and it's a tight-knit fraternity. And I know you guys, whether you, you admit it or not, right, you're always pulling for the quarterback. You, you have a special place for your hearts. I know it was good to see that uh, he handled adversity, did it well, did it with class, as you said. But the uh, Bucks got to go back to work. You know, we're going to spend one more segment kind of talking about it and recapping and, and maybe a little bit Tuesday, but we're going to turn our attention to Chattanooga. And that's the humbling thing about sports is uh, it's good this week, but uh, you got to go back to work and try to win again. And, Matt, it's nothing better than to see the, the matchup against Chattanooga coming in here Saturday. Yeah, if there's anybody that we could go in and play the week after such an emotional high like this, it's, it's going to be UTC because what it tells you is in-state rivalry, there is no room for a letdown, right? There's no room for letdown. And to have your in-state rival come in, you're, all you're doing is standing on those blocks that you built from the week before. You, know, you get 24 hours to, to celebrate, and then that halo goes away. Because you know who doesn't care about the redemption story? Who doesn't care about the, the last-minute comeback? It's UT Chattanooga, right? And, and UTC has put themselves on a map after the way that they've come back the last few weeks and, and the type of year that they're having. So they don't care about the feel-good story. They're, they want to come into our place and punch us in the mouth. So I, I think that's the message that, that Coach Sanders brought to the team yesterday. You know, they bring them in on Sunday, have Mondays off. It's, hey, great win last night, guys. It was a great time. But UTCs, they're here to play, and uh, this is a big game for us. So I think um, if, if we could, like I said, if we could play anybody, I want to play UTC this week. Matt, appreciate the time. Always a pleasure, buddy. We'll catch up down the road. Hey, great show, guys. Keep it going, and uh, let's go get a win. Because it, it's UTC hate week, right? It's beat chat week. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you, brother. <laughs> you know that. That's Matt Wilgham, Santos, uh, the sidekick. It. We'll see, man. Uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, don't forget to download us. We'll talk to David Jackson. I had to call on ESPN3, longtime Southern Conference uh uh, broadcasters, we'll talk to him about the Topsy Turby League, what this means for ETSU. Maybe dip a little bit into Chattanooga and ETSUs. We'll be back with more Santos and the Sidekick after this timeout on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Nice Wonger Children's Hospital is proud to be the only hospital in the region dedicated to serving kids, teens, and their families. With over 20 subspecialists in pediatric medicine, as well as access to the Level 1 Trauma Center at Johnson City Medical Center, we are committed to providing hope and healing to you and your family. To learn more, visit NiceWongerChildrens.org. That's NiceWongerChildrens.org. 
The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Here's the deal. At Wendy's, every hamburger is made with fresh, never frozen beef. Now here's the big deal. You can get a Dave's Double with a half pound of hot and juicy beef, along with small fries and a drink for just $5 when you download the Wendy's app. And the real deal? That's a whole lot of delicious Wendy's food for just $5. Download the app today. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, it is Sandos and the sidekick. Dave and Jackson will be joining us momentarily, but uh, Matt Wiljum. He started to get a little fired up. I bet if I could have kept him 10 more minutes talked about Chattanooga, that would have escalated uh, to the level that I would have liked it. Can you tell me, just while we're waiting for David, please okay. explain the rivalry between ETSU and Chattanooga as someone that is newer to ETSU athletics. Mm-hmm. I do not have a broad general understanding of where it comes from, how it has been built. I would love for you just to give me a big overview, layman's perspective, um, or layman's uh, explanation at least for someone that's kind of more on the outside. Okay, um, I'll give you two things. One, I don't know if you've heard of the Civil War, where a brother versus brother, uh, you know, went at it, and it's sort of sort of the same deal. In state, there's two different schools. There's a lot of people from this area that go to Chattanooga. There's a lot of people from Chattanooga that come up here. Sort of that deal. So you play against people you know. People there's that. That would be one. The other thing I will just say this: if you ever want to understand the rivalry, if uh, if you want to look it up. On YouTube, just just search Chattanooga player punches cheerleader. 
and you'll see a Chattanooga basketball player uh, punch a ETSU cheerleader in the face. And if you want a good rivalry, I feel like punching a girl in the face uh, on the basketball court at the end of a basketball game generally says that's rivalry. I mean, I, I, I don't think. I think that's more a crime. <laughs> and, it, 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 and it wasn't back then, apparently. Okay. But, uh, but it, Glad but, things have changed, but okay. But that's that's in a rivalry. There's things like that, right? the 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 other thing is not only is it in the same state and and other stuff like that, but they played so many meaningful games. I think that helps. You just can't you can't make uh, what's a good example. You can't make Tennessee and Vanderbilt a rivalry, right? They, they would have had to have played just because they're in the same state. But if they would have played, Tennessee's always been so much better in it, at least football. Well, yeah, but let's let's use uh, football or basketball. And Vanny's had some good basketball teams, but but let's say they would have played uh, ten of twelve years. The the champ, SEC championship. East would have been Vandy Tennessee game. Sure, that has something to it, right? That Tennessee Florida, in the scheme of things, should not be a rivalry, but it turned into one because they were playing for so many championships. For ETSU and Chattanooga, especially in basketball, there was a 12-year period where one of the two schools represented the Southern Conference in the NCAA tournament, and it was a 20-year stretch where one or both of the teams were in the championship game. Wow. So they played not just being in the same state and all that, but they played so many meaningful games against one another uh, that that I think that that's really what what has come down to. But I think you know the the best another uh, honest to goodness good example of the rivalry was I, I've told this story a couple times. I'm gonna actually tell it with Gene tomorrow, um, so maybe I should save it. But we uh, Rod as ETSU announced it's coming back to the Southern Conference. I went down for Robert Harper's wedding, which was in Chattanooga. His wife's from Chattanooga. I actually got married on campus. I debated even going to wow. it, even though I was in the wedding. I was Strong like, friendship do, you do, have do I step Do I step foot onto campus? Do I not? I ended up doing it uh, for the peace of, of, of my wife uh, and, and her mind because she was in the wedding as well. So I ended up uh, what you do going to it. But the night before, the night before, I'm walking down the street, Chattanooga. I'm wearing an ETSU shirt. Guy in his 70s stops me and says, hey, ETSU's – Get back in the league, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, we are. And he just kind of nodded, and it, I knew, th- thought something was awkward. Kind of felt like he needed to say more, didn't say anything. I took about two steps, kept walking, and all of a sudden he said, hey. And I turned around, he says, it'll be good to kick your butt again. And I cleaned that up quite a bit for a 70-year-old man. But uh, And I just started laughing, and I and I just uh, I turned to my wife, and she goes, I can't believe you didn't say anything. I said, no, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. In your mind, you were saying if that guy was 50 years younger, I would punch him right in the face. Yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> I, you can't I, punch an old man in public. Yeah, you know, and I, I need to improve my uh, bar fighting uh, uh, record anyways. I'm 05 and 1. So 05 I've, and yeah, 1. Yeah, I've got a. That's a, that's a separate story. We say, got time to talk about <laughs> if we ever do a Santos and the Sidekick uncut, I'm excited to hear those stories. <laughs> I've got a couple of those. I'll be honest, three of them had to do with Chattanooga. So if I wow. Feel okay, so now we know why the rivalry is so strong in you. <laughs> Now, were you ever in Johnson City? Now, that's the thing. Is like, have you ever had him on your home turf, or was it always going to Chattanooga? Because that, that could help. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple been in town, and one was out of town. People that's recognize a, the white eyebrow, and they're like, that so, must be oh, Sandals. Yeah. We've yeah, got to help there him. There we go. So, yeah. uh, but Let's it's, go. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Randy would be in there. Let's go. <laughs> like, oh, the old Randy Sanders sound right there. Yeah, but it's just uh, it's one of those things. So, so as an ETSU fan, you, you almost grew up with uh, the football rivalry had a lot to do with App State. And then there was some Chattanooga. But to be honest, Chattanooga at the time, for a long stretch, actually kind of dominated the, the football rivalry. 
and then there, there was more of a ETSU App State proximity football deal that was going on. But once it turned to the hardwood and basketball, there was no question. And some of that's because App State traditionally over 80 years has been bad at basketball. So maybe even 100 years at this point been bad at basketball. So uh, it, it was one of those things of really two schools that fans and, and obviously having a team 60 miles away was a good rivalry in App State. Right. Chattanooga being in-state, fighting for dollars. And, the other, and Tennessee's weird. There's two different state systems, you know. You go to North Carolina, they got 19 state schools. It's all in the same system, right? Alabama and Auburn's in the same system. It, it just throws people off. Tennessee is weird. You have the Tennessee system with Tennessee and UT Martin and UT Chattanooga. And then you have the TBR, uh, Tennessee Board of Regents, and I'm, I know we've now broke off. But all those still get funding from the state. And so uh, ETSU and Austin P and – and all the uh, other schools, uh, Tennessee Tech, um, Memphis, and, and all them are in, in a different system, and that's weird. It's, it's a very odd because, really, you normally don't have a state split the money between two different systems to, to feed essentially the same state schools, right? So that, there was also that, too, which which is weird, and I don't know if I have enough time to break down all of that. But I, I always find it weird because I would talk to people. I'm like, hey, it's odd that, that, that Auburn and Alabama work the same state system and now look at me well that's not right i'm like well yeah they're both state funded schools and right. like, auburn's a state. i'm like yeah they actually are a state funded school um and normally you know you have state in the name or something like that or you know i know chattanooga likes to go by chattanooga but their official name is, is tennessee at chattanooga right let, yeah, let me ask you this kind of getting back to football mm-hmm. is this the biggest chattanooga etsu football game certainly of this millennium of how of how long when does this go back to because we got two two and oh teams are tied at the top of the conference and you've got a new era with randy sanders chattanooga coming off a bad year and it seems incredible that last year we ended the season with a 10-3 kind of just muck fest it was it was pretty ugly and really it didn't seem like either team wanted to be there not much on the line and now you have so much on the line this year yeah they, they honestly they haven't when etsu has been a playoff type team playing for championships. Chattanooga was not. Right. They 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 really haven't matched up if you go through the history and had a lot of me. Now they've had games that you know there's some like last year some pushing shoving guys again because there are a lot of high school guys that either were high school teammates that have been talking trash all week or they played against each other in high school and didn't like each other then and don't like each other now. So it doesn't take long usually for that. In basketball, it, it's different. It's all been about the championships games because honestly both teams really don't have a lot of Tennessee kids on the roster. Mm. They're more national rosters, so they don't have a lot that grew up playing on the same circuit right. or AU circuit going at it. There's no I mean, history there. That's yeah. right. There's really not. Uh, and so basketball has been more about playing for championships and, and going out there. Football, there's a lot of built-in because the rosters are so much bigger that you have to rely on a lot of in-state people. And so I think there's there's a lot of that, that that goes on. There's a lot of people. I remember uh, Austin Gatewood and and basically Austin Herrick are from down there, right? Alonzo Francois is from down there. So there's a lot of guys that from the Chattanooga area. Mikey White, who's the starting uh, left uh, tackle for uh, Chattanooga, is from Science Hill High School in Johnson City, and it came down to he didn't want to play in his high school stadium for two years. Um, you know, he wanted to go play in a, 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 an actual stadium yeah. and stuff. And, and, you know, and I didn't blame him. A lot of Buck fans did, but I, I didn't for the simple – you know, if you want to play for a starter program, you're going to play a program that just came off a semifinal trip in the FCS playoffs. I mean, sometimes that, that goes. 
this right now, it's early in the season. I wish this was later in the season, but right now this will be one of the biggest probably games. Uh, now, Chattanooga may not see it that way. Not only with the records, but with the symbolism just right. where these programs are at. Right, and I don't know that they will um, – I don't know that it'll meet uh, uh, if this was later in the year, like last year. If this sure. was the last game of the year and there's championship well, month, it'd be more course, certainly right. it's different. But, but you won't get greedy with two teams that ever haven't ever really been good at the same time. Right? Well, and, 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 you know, in football, no, I will not. And in football, you know, you, you only get one shot at everybody. Yeah. And if you're going to win a championship, you know, you, you, it could come down to winning this game. So one team is going to leave here three and zero in the driver's seat because of tiebreaker, right? In the way football works, and, and, and feeling and a huge won't. sense of belief, right? Because they're coming off a couple of seasons last year, which didn't show much of that at all. And uh, no, exactly right. And, and and think about this too: if you're Chattanooga, when you started looking at your games and the schedule of it, you're like, man, we got a tough game at at Citadel to to start league play. Our next conference game is going to be the league favorite Sanford. Then we go to ETSU, and then we got Wofford. And if you're looking at those three games, which one are you not circling yeah, as the sure. big one, right? Yep, you're right. not. And so ETSU is already probably – I know they have There's some players like, look, we looked at their schedule. We know they're not respecting us like they are Sanford and like they're not Wofford. Sure. And in fairness, two ranked teams – and now Sanford may, may not be after today, but there's two ranked teams uh, on that schedule preseason, the one it wasn't, and ETSU is clearly the one that wasn't. My favorite Chattanooga ETSU member was the last year of football, which was obviously a rough year for football. Because of the way, you know, I had about 50 guys playing. And Chattanooga went down the field and scored the first first uh, uh, series of the game. They're up 7 nothing, And, I mean, you could tell there was some energy on that sideline. They really wanted to be the last year of football to bury ETSU. And the Bucks honestly put on an offensive onslaught that, that hasn't been seen since. They would go 63 unanswered. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, they, they put in one of the last plays of the game. They put in a, a walk-on in his only carry of his life. is one of, they call him Goose. And, when his only carry of his life, he breaks four tackles, spins off another, and dives for the pylon, 24-yard oh, touchdown. I, I mean, love that. The place goes bonkers. We, me and Matt were trying not to jump out of the yeah. dome at that point. Go celebrate with him on it the It was field, unbelievable. Right? It, was, it, was, it, was, it was a Rudy-type moment yeah. it was a, with, with not as much fanfare. You know, a guy was just a scout teamer. And honestly, if they didn't just have 55 guys on the roster, it may not even have been that. Uh, but they finished the year with, you know, 55 guys, uh, you know, and normally a, a roster. And, you know, and the number ones for ETSU could really play with everybody then. Clearly, Gerald Sensiball went yep. on to North Carolina. So did Scott Brummett. Uh, uh, Tony Tiller goes on and plays in the in the CFL for a while. So they, Carl Meadows uh, transfers as a quarterback, goes to Troy and starts for two years down at Troy. Eric Losey was the center. He goes to Western Kentucky, becomes an All-American, and, and now obviously was the line coach when it came back, now at Southern Miss. So they had some players on that team for sure. The problem was when it went to the second, third teamers, there wasn't. It was one to about three and a half because if you weren't starting, why in the world? Because you had a free transfer. You didn't have to sit out. So if you weren't going to start, why would you stick around? And that was the problem was late in the game. I mean, ETSU was up 7 nothing at App State at halftime, and that was going to be a monumental upset if that happened because App State was expected to compete for – not just a Southern Conference championship, but they were starting to turn into a team that's going to win that. And it was just a couple years later they won their first won national championship. National titles, yeah. So they they knew they had something special. But in the pecking order for for ETSU people, especially for football, I mean the pecking order was you know Chattanooga, App, Furman. Those were the three teams you really really hated, and to knock off Furman first and to get over that hump, and now have Chattanooga kind of knocking on the door next. That's that's something special. And you're saying that this is, what, top three, top five biggest matchup between these two 
schools in football. Yeah, and I'll have That's more exciting. on that late, later exciting. in the week yep. uh, because and I and normally I start do opposing team prep on Tuesday and Wednesday, but first thing this morning I came in and was already diving <laughs> into. I gave uh, uh, Kevin Brown. He gave me a note packet on Chattanooga of stuff he did on Sunday, and I've already added four. Don't have to pull to your it. arm on this uh-uh. one. Yeah. No, it was all over. All right, let's do bold predictions. What I got right, what Mike got wrong. We'll find out on Santos and the sidekick right after this time out on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole. The clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 13. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye. For all your printing needs. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. 
bold predictions. Bold predictions. It is Monday. Jacob Townsend takes our bold predictions on Friday, lets us know what we got right, what we got wrong, and I already know, but I'll let Jacob be the scorekeeper. Hey, fellas, it's time for the best segment of the week because of two reasons. We get to tell you where you were wrong, and I'm in it. Um, first off, you all came into the week. You were both 3-9, and nine, batting 250. Uh, this, now, average. there's a little bit of a change in standings after this week, though, but let's start yeah, off, as always, with ETSU football, your predictions there. Jay, you said two receivers would get over 100 yards. You sort of circled on Harrison and Warts. Neither of them got anything. Uh, Anthony Spagnoletti, or as as he would like to be called, AJ got 72. Keith Coffey got 70. They were the leading receivers, but still nobody got to 100. That's pretty close, though, 72 and 70, and it was clearly a bigger passing day as the game went along. I don't think that's... Completely shameful. I, I there's mean, no I moral that, victories here on well, Sanders and the no, side. No, 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 there's not. But considering with 20 minutes to go in a game, the Bucks had less than 100 yards passing. That was tough. I made a good comeback which, effort like they like they did on the field. That which, was a good comeback which effort. Which kind of brings us to my yeah. old prediction for the Bucks. That's called a segue in the business, Mike. Logan Marchie, you said, would set a career high in passing yards. I believe you said on Friday his career high was somewhere in the 350-yard range. Yeah, yeah. he yep. finished with uh, 71. Well, we shot for the moon, brother. We did, we did, and we were thinking the same thing, right? Passing yards got to be the the thing. But yes, well, here's we, the thing. I, I mean, it's not only the fact that he didn't get there; it's the fact that he was pulled, which makes the prediction look really horrible. But uh, you know, I think Logan Marchie now has to do exactly what Austin Herrick did, right? Your time's gonna come. Come again. and do the route well, trick. What? Well, now hold on. Oh, that's a good idea too. But let, let me just say this: he threw a dime in the corner of the end zone, about a 42-yarder that Keith Coffey, it went. Which would have put him over 100 for the day. Well, but it changes the complexion. Yep. It was like the second drive of the game. And if Keith Coffey catches that, they get a touchdown on the board. In fairness to Logan Marchie, who who knows, right? It, it's all about game momentum, this, that, and other. And it, they didn't haul it in. It was an incomplete pass. wasn't a touchdown. But that could have changed things. And so, again, I, I think that Logan Marchie needs to just stay ready. Uh, continue his preparation in whatever way that needs to happen for him to uh, maybe even be out there Saturday. We're not sure. Uh, be out there going forward if Austin Herrick has a slip-up. Uh, perhaps Randy Sanders will go back to Logan March this week. We're not sure, but uh, I think Austin Herrick gave the blueprint of how you handle um, doing exactly what he did and coming back and, and having success in your first game back. Logan March now needs to do that. And quite honestly, I'm kind of glad that my bold prediction turned out the way it did because it led to an ETSU win, which at the end of the day, we're all in for Again, no moral victories on Sandoz in the side game. Whatever. Purdue Physical over Boston College, you said, Jay. Goodbye, you, sir. Boilermakers 30 to 13. They're a genius. Well, I mean, Boston College, uh, they were one of those bottom three top 25 teams. So it's like anyone can upset a, one of that. That could have been 40 different teams in that same spot. I mean, I, I, Boston College was 3-0. and They were more than a touchdown favorite. Yep. They were. Purdue, Purdue was 0-3 with yeah. a loss to Eastern Michigan. I just don't, I just don't want to give you any Big credit. Time. It was a good prediction. It Big dub. Well done. Mike, you went SoCon for one of your college football picks. You actually went two college football picks this week. You said Citadel over Mercer. It took a kick return in the final minute, but uh, go Bulldogs. I am the smartest man alive. I am the smartest man alive. I got to be honest. That was actually kind of fun to, to keep up because that, yes. that was happening during the delay. There were the, the, a ton the, of the, great the SoCon this week. Oh, there was. There was. Every so. single one. And, and we can talk about that as the week goes along. But, but to have a pass interference call because – there was an interception. Citadel thought they had the ball. It was a pass interference. Gave it back to Mercer. They score with one eleven yep. to go. Kick it. 
Citadel does not try to do the fair catch. They try to get what they can, and they house it and just a backbreaker. With 57 on, seconds yeah, left. on the road. I mean, if you're at Mercer and you're the fans with a minute to go and you just score a touchdown, you're like, we're going overtime, we win this thing. Yep. And then it's just a deflation Well, happens, and I want right? to point out that there were a couple times where I'm sure the home fans and many watching that game thought the game was over. It was 24-14 Mercer in the third quarter, and you're just like, okay, well, the route's going to be on here. Mercer's going to tack on some late touchdowns before the last five touchdowns scored by Citadel, and you see the results. So, uh, yeah, brilliance on this side of the microphone as usual. Hey, no one circles the wagons like the Citadel Bulldogs, okay? Uh, let's keep it positive. Or the Buffalo you, Bills. That's Ouch. a good fair point as well. We'll get – hey, Ouch. there you go, Mike. Uh, <laughs> let's keep it positive, though, for you, Mike. Let's go to your next pick. You had Kentucky over Mississippi State in oh, yeah. Lexington. They They're did right. it 28-7. First time the Wildcats are 2-0 in the SEC since 1972. They're now number 17 in the country. He is the smartest man in the universe. They're not only ranked, they're number 17 in the country, 4-0 and 2-0 and in the league. It does kind of seem like a really they're long gonna way to jump. They're going to jump from nothing to 17. Yeah, nothing over, to 17. Yeah, so Georgia, Kentucky, Georgia, Kentucky, and Alabama are all 4-0 and and 2-0, and and I think all those teams belong in the same conversation. And uh, LSU oh, is 4-0 and 1-0. and All right, and one, <laughs> one question before you move on there. Since Vanderbilt lost uh, to South Carolina, did, did Mason want to fight Muschamp at the end of that? Or, or is that or did no. No, I think they're good to go. Okay, just help check. All right, go ahead. All right, now let's let's go. Now, for the record, this shouldn't count again, Jacob. Oh, come on. Trick plays. You can't use trick plays. What do you mean you can't use trick trick plays? plays. That's part of the game. Can't use trick plays. All right, go. You said Raiders would beat Dolphins, and for the third time this season, they have the lead at the half, and for the third time this season, they lose 28 to 20. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. They actually led going into the fourth quarter. Gruden can't close. I watched the reverse pass happen, and it was for for somebody who really could care less. Well, honestly, I it did, makes you care. I did. I did. It makes you care. I did care. Yeah, because the AFC East is important to me, right? And so I put the Dolphins at three and zero. But I was just sitting there as soon as they as soon as they pitched it to the running back or uh, to the receiver, I was like, oh, he's going to throw it. It was just one of those you can kind of tell like everybody knew except have, the guys in the field. Well, and because it's one of those instead, <laughs> instead of like taking the ball and kind of attacking the line of scrimmage, he kind of just was going laterally for yeah. a second. And I thought, oh, he's going to throw. Kind of looking downfield, uh, and yeah. then he, he chunked it. And I mean, it was nobody within. And then they ran a re- just a regular reverse where it was like untouched for sixty yards. So, old John Boy, old Chucky's having a rough go at it. And Danny Jacob, Jay, Jay Sandos is having a rough go at full predictions. Let's also not forget, Mike. He did say the AFC West would go four and zero this week as well. <laughs> that was they went just one and hey, three. Hey, hey. Mark that hey, against him, too. Hey, now. Bonus bold. Now, now, I can't predict Philip Lindsay was going to get kicked out for throwing a punch in the second quarter. They were already down. The game. Yeah, if you're saying Philip Lindsay was the reason that the AFC West down. went one and three. It was 14-13. There's Still a down. trick play of Miami. And, and let's be honest, the Rams might be with the best team in football, so it was a little bold going with the Chargers. Give us those there. standings, Jacob. Uh, Mike, you're five and ten, batting three thirty three. Oh, baseball, you're in the fame, running for AL MVP, baby. Hall of Fame. Yep. And uh, Jay, four and eleven, batting two sixty seven. You're terrible. How garbage I'm are above, you right now? I'm, I'm above the Mendoza line. <laughs> uh, I want to give some love to ETSU women's soccer before we're done. They got a one nothing win over Furman on Friday, then a seven one drubbing of Wofford and the nation's leading scorer from 2017, Haley Younginer, yesterday. That Furman game, Jay, uh, that team is consistent, always yeah, one of the top that, in the. That was fun to watch. Actually. Oh, absolutely, Tough Rachel Harmon. 
Rachel Harbin, yeah, absolutely a tough week for, for him. Rachel Harbin, someone that works for the Buccaneer Sports Network, so we always got a, a soft spot in our heart for her, and she does uh, absolutely fantastic things this weekend, was the facilitator of everything in that Wofford game. She picked up two assists. Sarah Connolly scored four times against Wofford, and, uh, of course, Furman with that one nothing defeat. Some would say a shocker, but ETSU on the pitch looking very strong with Adam Sayer's squad. Well, they finally got the full squad back, right? That helps, too. So many injuries last year. Everything was kind of out of whack, and they're developing some camaraderie and rhythm on the pitch. All right, that's a bold prediction. A little bit of love for ETSU and Adam Sayers' women's soccer team. A couple good wins, good start for them. Men's soccer also victorious this weekend as well. Volleyball, a little bit of a weekend off. They'll get cranked this week, so we'll talk about that as we continue on Sanders and the sidekick this week. Up tomorrow, Gene Henley, beat writer for Chattanooga. We'll talk to him about how Chattanooga's got off to a quick start and what he thinks about the matchup between the Bucks and the Mocs. Also, it's Tuesday, Angry Man. We'll find out what he's mad about. So we'll do all that and more, plus pros versus Jays on tomorrow's edition. Sandos and the sidekick. Don't forget to download a SoundCloud. iTunes, we should be back on Facebook Live again tomorrow, so you can try to catch us live if you want. Tomorrow, more Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. <laughs> 